Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Praise God. Well, something happened a few Wednesdays ago that I want to kind of touch up on as we jump into the message today. And um, we, we had a midweek service, and it, it was just a special service. And at the end of the service, we had people just pray and uh, share what was in their hearts. And some individuals kept sharing, and, and, and what was evident was that there's a lot of people um, that were mentioning anxiety And we made a bold statement, and we said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring our swords, and this Sunday, today, we're going to come, and we are going to, at the end of service, we're going to pray for people that are struggling with anxiety. We're going to cut the head off of anxiety, and we're going to bury it, and we're going to claim victory over all anxiety today in Jesus' name. How many of you can come in agreement with me and say, I'm going to join you today in prayer for that? So... So this is what I want to do. If you feel that you have anxiety in your life or you do or are struggling with some sort of anxiety, maybe it's not severe, but it's somewhat anxiety, we want to pray with you today before you go, and we pray that you could open up your heart and allow us to pray with you. Amen? Amen. Um, Lord, I thank you for today. I ask you to bless this word, all distractions, all thoughts, and everything. Just line them up and um, let your word be clear, powerful, that it pierce our hearts, our souls, bring growth today. Out, me out of the way. And you in place here, Lord, be glorified in Jesus' name. We say? Amen. I'm going to share, go for it again. I'm going to do, uh, I guess it just became part three. It wasn't even planned to become a series, but I feel like God has been stirring our church. Pastor Leo came and, and substituted and, and, and came back to his other house, and he shared as well. And, and his message was, was a blessing. If you were here, many of you text me and like, man, it was awesome, and I heard it, and it really was awesome. And what, what a great message and, and encouragement that was. And today I'm just going to continue on it, and in a way it's, it's another go-for-it message. But, but I'm going to take a different turn, and um, I want to talk about something today that I mentioned uh, the first week that I was sharing on go-for-it. If you remember, I spoke about a boat, and I said, God wants to fill what's empty. How many of you guys remember that statement that I said that really quick? And I said, you know what, I'm going to preach that. So I'm not going to get too more into that so much into that, but I'm going to preach that again. And um, today, that's what I'm going, to, I'm going to preach today. I'm going to let you know that Jesus wants to fill what is empty. How many of you can say amen? amen. G- is there anything empty in your life? Maybe some of you are like, my cup of coffee, I wish I had more. No, but seriously, is there something empty in your life? Is there something empty in your life? You used to love your job. It's just so empty now. You used to love your spouse. It's just so empty now. You used to love your children. Well, hopefully not, man. Spouse and children. That stinks. Your spouse should still be loved and your children should still be loved. But it's just so empty now. You used to love this church, but it's just so empty now. You used to love each other. It's just so empty now. I mean, you get it. What's empty in your life? I believe this, that today the Lord wants to fill that. The Lord wants to fill it. We started off with go for it. If you remember when I came back from Honduras, then I shared um, to go for it, create. And I, and I shared a message about creating the experience. Remember that? Creating the experience and operating in your mission. Create the experience, operate in your mission. I love that Pastor Leo came last week and he preached on creating the experience. Leo just echoed it. You got to do something now. 
got to be responsible now. You, you got you to go f- for it now. And, and I love that he did that, the faithfulness of what that means. But, but I want to just start off where, where I ended up in week one when we started this. And it's in Luke chapter 5. You could turn your Bibles there and, and just um, stare there at, at a moment. And, on, and we'll start at verse 6 in a moment. But go ahead and look to Luke 5. And if you remember, I have a lot that I want to share with you. So I'm going to try to go fast but yet clear Fast enough that I make all my points, but not so fast that I lose you. But I have a lot that the Lord has put in my heart this week to share with you. But if you remember the first week, I shared the message, right? This message of go for it, and and we did. We looked at Luke 5, which you're turning to. And Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching before a massive crowd. And as he's teaching before this crowd, they're pressing in on him, and it's too much for Jesus. So he sees two empty boats. Everyone say empty boats. Yeah. And scripture says that stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon to pull it out into the water. How many of you remember this? Okay. And Jesus asked him to pull it into the water, the empty boat. And we learned something that I said week one, that water can represent. It can mean the presence, the presence of the Lord in scripture. It means a lot of things, but, but we know that it could also be symbolic for presence. And here is Jesus, his, his very presence in the boat. Say Jesus, presence in the boat. Say that. Right. Which is about to bring a great problem. A great problem. That the boat. Which, which Jesus is now in, it had been empty for a while, but now this boat is about to be filled. It's going to fill up. I, I want to catch up on verse 6. and we'll read, I'll tell you what, we'll read 6, 7, and 8 and, and really see what the Lord wants to speak to your heart. Go ahead to verse 6 with me. It says, and at this time when, when Jesus got on the boat with Simon and went out to the water, at, Jesus says, Take down your nets. And, and, and Peter said, Simon said, Lord, I've been doing this all day, all night. It's impossible. There's no fish here. I haven't caught anything. This is a waste of time. Jesus says, do it. But because you said so, I'm going to do it anyway. So look at verse 6. And at this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, which we learned it's James and John. It's funny that Peter, James, and John are mentioned in this part of the story. And God's going to call them into ministry now. So he calls his partners in the other boat. Remember the other boat? Peter's boat was empty. Everyone say empty. But there was also another boat. Say another boat. And that boat was empty as well. But Peter's boat now is being filled with fish. His nets are ripping. He needs help. He calls his two friends, bring the other empty boat to me. Bring it over here. Look at what it says next. And soon, both boats were, were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees. Is that not the right posture to take when you stand before the power of God? And he said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Perfect words to say too. Perfect words. I want to share today that Jesus wants to fill what is empty. And I believe some of you today, he's going to speak directly into your lives. You came over here today, but maybe you came empty. But you're going to leave here today. And if you open up your heart, you're going to leave full. How many of you could? Uh Uh-huh. I read this and I don't believe that this was an accident on this day. 
I don't believe that Jesus just happened to do a miracle on this day. Please listen to me. I read Luke 5 and this is what I feel. This is what the Lord is showing me. That this is a prophetic moment in Peter's life. A prophetic moment. That this physical occurrence, occurrence that had just taken place is really speaking about a spiritual and a divine calling in the life of Peter that is soon to come. I don't believe it was like, oh, that was a cool experience. I think Christ was like, this is more than an experience. This is an action today, a prophetic action today that is going to tell and give testimony in future, in future situations. And, and, and I'm going to call you in something today that when you start to operate in it soon, you're going to always remember this day. You can always go back to this day. And I, I know this to be true. Because at the end of this encounter between Peter and Jesus, do you know what Jesus tells Peter? He tells him, don't worry and don't be afraid about what just happened here today. Man, of course you would be scared and afraid. Who is this man? I caught no fish all day and all night. And now he comes into my boat. He tells me to take down those very same nets that I took down. And as I put them down into the water, not only are the nets ripping, but my boat is sinking. I called my homeboys. They came in their empty boat. Their boat is sinking and their nets are ripping. I am terrified. I bow down to my knees. Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. So what does the Lord say? Peter, don't be afraid. Don't fear, don't worry about what just happened here today. Instead, it is to show you that you no longer will fish in these waters, but that now, this is what Jesus tells them, you will now be a fisher of men. Amen. You'll catch that in a moment if you haven't yet. If you remember when Jesus rose from the grave, let's go some three years later. Remember when Jesus rose from the, well, you weren't there, but you know in the story, in the Bible. Remember when Jesus rose from the grave in the Bible? He went back to look for Peter. Did you, did you did, remember? He, where's Peter at? And he finds Peter. And what is Peter doing? I don't want to give it away by saying again. Oh, but I said it. He went fishing again. And he took on his boat and his nets again. And he took on his business again. And he finds Peter and he took up fishing. And Jesus had to restore him. And caught him out of the waters and out of his boat yet again. And he asked him one question three times. Peter, three times this one question. Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times, Peter, do you love me? And every time Jesus asked Peter those three questions, Peter was like, Lord, you know that I love you already. What, what is it? And Jesus' reply to Peter was always what? Then go feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Go feed my sheep. What, is, what was really happening some three years later that, that Jesus was confronting Peter? And he was reminding Peter that this is no longer your earthly occupation. And though you're really good at it, you are not a fisherman anymore. But you are now a fisher of men. Totally different. I believe God might rock some of you guys in your occupations today and you might have to just make some changes because God said, I know you're really good and you're really comfortable and you felt very clean in that area and everything is well and the money and the paycheck's coming in. But today I'm calling you out of that water and I'm going to call you into something deeper to show you how good I am. I don't know. It could happen to you. It's happened to me like twice, three, four, eight times. But I believe it could happen to some of you today. So what is this supernatural prophetic of this day? Well, what is this? And 
This is what God was showing me. Peter's boat was now full and sinking because it was not for Peter's to have all to himself. It wasn't for Peter to enjoy the, the filling of the boat and the ripping of the net all to himself. But he would now take the filling and he would call the other boat that was also empty, say empty. That was all right. You did okay. Hopefully you get better throughout the sermon. I wasn't here last week. Maybe it was my absence. Say empty. That's good. He took the other boat, which was also empty, and called them to fill it as well. So that now, now both boats are, are full. It says, soon both boats were filled with, with fish and on the verge of sinking. So, so, so now what? Now what? Well, what do you think? What do you think? What's the prophetic? Well, now what? My boat's sinking. Their boat's sinking. Both boats are sinking. N- now what? It's, it's obvious. This is God's call on Peter's life. This is God's Paul and James and John's life. Find another boat. Because it's obvious that the Lord wants to fill your boat while keeping it filled. And as you're filling another boat, your boat remains filled. And now you have two boats filled, ready to fill two new more boats. And there we have what Peter will be doing with these two other soon to be close disciples of Jesus. Peter will lead them, and together they will lead others, and the others will begin to lead others. What do we see? It's full-blown, a hundredfold multiplication. It's what discipleship is. It is what the Holy Spirit was going to do with the early church and in Peter's life. Peter, I'm going to fill you. You're going to fill others, and you're all going to be filled, and you're going to begin to fill others. Well, it happened on Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost where Peter opened his mouth, and his boat began to overflow, and 3,000 got saved and baptized and they took the gospel to all the regions of the world because a man's boat was filled because of a man's boat it was an eruption that was going to happen some years later that one man's boat which is now filled was going to be used to fill up an ocean of boats that will be filled as well and will continue the chain How many of you could thank God for someone else's boat that was filled, that poured into your life, that today now your boat is filled, that you pour into someone else's life? Every single one of you here has someone to thank along the walk of faith that played an instrumental role in your life. Thank God for some others who have their boats filled. I want to tell you that here we are some 2,000 years since this great fishing trip happened because that's a successful fishing trip. Since it took place and, and the church is still growing because of this one man's filled boat. And what I want to tell you today is that, that Jesus wants to fill what is empty. And if you're empty, you're at the right place at the right time to be filled up. I almost want to go into song and sing the song, fill me up, but I keep getting mocked every time I sing up here. But fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. You're supposed to say go for it, not do it. (laughs) What church do you guys go to, huh? Go for it. He wants to fill what is empty. Look at the person next to you and say he wants to fill what is empty. If you don't have someone next to you, find someone around you, in front of you, behind you. He wants to fill what is empty. I'm going to share a passage. It's Philippians 2, 6 through 11. 
And Jesus could speak with authority about filling what is empty. Not, not just because he's God, because, yeah, that's the ultimate reason. Because he's God, he can say whatever he wants and do whatever he wants. Do we all agree with that? Amen. But it's not even because of that. Jesus could talk about empty things. And Jesus could fill up empty things. And he has authority in that. Because just in case you didn't know this, he also experienced it for his own. You know, it's different when someone knows something. I'm not knocking them for their knowledge. But it's different when someone experiences that which they say they know. Are you guys with me? Don't you hear that kind of person a little bit more? Isn't your ear more attentive to them? So Jesus is that person, right? Let's go to Philippians 2 so I don't give too much away. We'll start off in verse 6. I'm going to pause and break and speak and keep reading. Pause, break and speak and keep reading. But, but go with me to verse 6. In verse 6 in the NLT it says, Though he was God, speaking of Jesus, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. The message translation says it this way. He had equal status with God, but he didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of the status no matter what. Can you imagine this? Here is Jesus who is God but yet didn't even think what on earth equality with God and didn't even think that he needed to boast in the things of God though he was God. Come on because if, if you and I were God here on earth living it, we would be boasting. I'm Jesus. Watch what I could do. You're hungry. Bam. I'll pop some food. You watch this. I'll make people float in the air. Watch this. I'll make things disappear and come up. I'll, I'll, I'll make someone come up from that thing and spook you and then disappear. And, and I'll do all these weird things. I'll make some of you as I'm preaching start to float in the air. Like, ha. Ah, I don't know. I would do some crazy. I would. I would just mess with your mind if I was Jesus. But Jesus comes to earth and he finds himself to, to live with no equality to God while on earth. It's, He's like, I'm going to take on the whole nature of man while being God here on earth. And verse 7, he says this. Instead, he gave up. Everyone say, gave up. I don't like to give up anything. It's a supernatural work of God when he tells me to give. That's why some of us, it's so hard to give of yourself and from yourself. Because when you do that, you're taking on the nature of what God is. God is a giver. So his children become givers. Why do you give? Because my God, my father at first gives. So, so, so he gave up. Everyone say give up. Well, what did he give up? Divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave. Born as a human being. All of that when he appeared in human form. ESV says he emptied himself. There it is. There it is. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. I want to say something for a moment. He emptied himself. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. If there is any being that has ever lived that is, that is able to be full of himself is Jesus. If there's anyone that's able to walk around and, and every word that comes out of his mouth is to be one that is, that is full of himself or every action is to be one that is full of himself, the one who holds that privilege is Jesus. Yes? Are you in agreement with me? But this verse says he emptied himself. He wasn't full of himself. He was emptied of himself. And he proved that by taking the form of a slave. Verse 8 says, he humbled himself. And this is, this is powerful. He humbled himself in obedience. In obedience 
to God and he died a criminal's death on the cross. He emptied himself in obedience to God. What, what, like what does that say about us? Verse 9, 10, and 11, I'm going to put them all together and make a big ball with it, mix it up, and I'm just going to roll it to you. Because if verse 6, 7, and 8 says this is what Jesus did, he, he, he emptied himself in the obedience of God, though he should have been full of himself because he's God. He, 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 he took himself and gave up all divine privileges and didn't even look at himself as equal to God. And, and because he emptied himself, everyone say empty one more time. Yeah. Because of that empty lifestyle in obedience to God, God the Father in all of his fullness tells God the Son because of that. Look at verse 9, 10, 11. Here's the ball. I'm going to roll it to you. Ready? Therefore, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Son, son, you keep emptying yourself and you're going to see when you come up here and you sit at the right hand and you sit at your throne, I'm going to fill it up so much. It's going to be worth all the emptying. Empty, empty yourself in obedience. Empty yourself in walking in my will. But you're going to stand right beside me on this throne and on that moment, I'm going to give you the greatest name. I'm going to give you the greatest glory. I'm going to give you the greatest rank. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Not even me, the Father will step out of the way and point to the Son, praise Him, worship Him, kneel to Him. It's in the Son that all of this is able. Keep emptying yourself. And Jesus becomes our greatest example of one being emptied to receive the filling of God. So, so the Father elevates Him to the place of highest honor. And the proper word for the word elevates there is this word. You should write this down. The Father exalted. Exalted Jesus. What does that mean? It means that now he's been given. Now, now he's exalted, like I said, to the highest rank. Now Jesus is exalted to the highest power. Now he's exalted and he's raised to supreme majesty. Because Christ first came to know a place called empty I believe it's God I believe it's it's Yahweh's desire to fill what is empty we see it with the direct relationship between father and son and, and today I want to talk to the innermost part of your being today to some of you we don't even have to go so deep because it's been so long it's been so much already that the emptiness can be found at the surface of your life. Hmm? I really hope you could open yourself up today. And there may be two types of emptiness here in this church today. Maybe there's more, but I want to touch up on two. The first one is what Jesus came in, what Jesus displayed. The first kind of empty is this one. Ready? He gave up his divine privileges. He, he made himself of no reputation. He took on the humble position of a slave. He, he humbled and emptied himself in obedience to God. You with me? Everyone say first empty. That's the first one. 
It's an emptiness of, of less of me and more of you, Lord. It's an emptiness of your will be done, Lord, not mine. It's, it's a place of dying to myself and, and finding satisfaction in God glorifying himself in me and through me. It's, it's an emptiness that always points to the fullness of God. That's, that's the first empty. But then there's another type of empty. Everyone say second empty. And, and before I describe it, I love how one of Job's friends who's trying to counsel him, key thing there is trying to counsel him, I love how he puts it in chapter 8 of Job, verses 13, 14, and 15. I'm just going to read a little insert of, of a not so great counsel, but here it is. But, but this part's good. Job's friend says, so are the paths of all who forget God, and the hope of the godless they will perish whose confidence is fragile and whose trust is a spider's web. What is a spider's web? You just blow it in. He trusts in his house, but it does not stand. He holds fast to it, but it does not endure. Listen to those words. Then in Job 15, another friend shows up and he tries to counsel Job. And look what he says. Let him not trust in emptiness, deceiving himself, for emptiness will be his reward. See, maybe the second empty that we find ourselves with here today are the ones that are empty due to godless living. They fill themselves with godlessness. And the more you fill yourself with godlessness, the, the more empty you actually become. You, you can relo- relate to, to Job's friends. You can relate to them when, when, when he says this, that your confidence is fragile. You trust in your own house. That you are building for yourself, but it's not even standing. It is collapsing before your eyes. You, you hold fast to it, but it's not enduring, he says. What is he saying? It's slowly perishing. You, you trust in emptiness. So you deceive yourself. And you find that, that emptiness in return is your reward. So all I could do is pause for a moment and say, well, who are we? Or just to make it personal, who are you? Who are you? Are you an example of number one or are you an example of number two? Which emptiness are you trusting in today? I trust in an emptiness. Um, Today I'm saying that Jesus wants to fill what is empty. but, But you see, for that to happen, I'm trusting in a place of emptiness in my life. So, So where are you? Number one or number two? Which empty are you? The one whose reward is to be filled or the other whose reward is to remain empty. I guess, I guess I'm going to give you definitions of empty because you're giving me some weird looks. I feel like you're not with me yet. <laughs> empty is an elementary word. So we should all know what empty means. Definition number one, ready? Empty. Everyone say empty. empty. You know how to say it. It means containing nothing. Not too hard. Containing Nothing. It's There you go. It's empty. Another definition for empty? Having no value or purpose. No value, no purpose. It's empty. But my favorite definition of empty is number three. Uh, oh man, you weren't supposed to put it yet. It's hungry. 
that's hungry. That's my favorite one. Containing nothing, having no value, no purpose. But then there's a third one, and it's a definition of empty. It's also hungry. I want you to know this today. If you want to write this down in your notes, I think you should. Here it is. Ready? Just because you're empty doesn't mean you're necessarily hungry. And I'm believing today that, that you would come to realize this. That your, that your deepest hunger is found in the satisfaction of being empty. That your deepest hunger is found in the joys of emptiness. I guess I'll give you one more for your notes. Ready? Know that the emptier you are, the hungrier you become. So what have I been praying coming into today? What I've been praying is that today you would be empty in the things that at the end will make you fuller. Not full of the things that at the end would make you emptier. I don't know if that's registered yet or if you're understanding the picture yet. But there are people that live in this world that are so full of it. But in reality, their tank is empty. And there are some sons and daughters of God that live sacrifice and live empty of self for the glory of God. And they look empty to this world. But if you really look closely in the right perspective with the right lens, they are so full of it. They are full of God. The best, the best place that you could be is, is empty of self. So that then you could receive the fullness in God. I love what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10. You're going to know this as soon as I say it. In John 10, 10, he says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. How many of you have heard this verse before at some point? If you haven't, good. You're going to hear it right now. The, the thief's purpose is to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. But look what Jesus says next. But my purpose is to give them a rich, satisfying life. What is Jesus really saying here? Thieves come to take away, but I come to fill. I guess I should just keep reading because I want to say so much, but, but sometimes let the word just do it, right? Isaiah 45, 18. I'm going I'm to share a passage here from Eugene Peterson's perspective here. Watch what he says. He says, in Isaiah 45, 18, it says, God creator of the heavens. He is, remember, God. He is maker of earth and he put it on its foundation and he built it from scratch. He, he didn't go to all that trouble to just leave it empty. Nothing in it. He made it to be lived in. He, here, is, here is the prophet Isaiah and with this amazing insight from God, he is, he is writing some, some beautiful words. And what he's writing is, if you look from the beginning of God's purposes, even when he created this world, he had a purpose in it to fill it. A purpose for it to be filled. His purpose for the foundations of this world, it wasn't even to leave it empty so that there would be nothing in it. He made it so that in 
it, things could live. He established the world not to be a waste place, but he formed it so that it could be inhabited, so that it could be filled. It's his purpose to always fill what is empty. I'll prove it some more. In Genesis chapter 1-2, if you're taking notes, study chapter 1. And if I'm not going to be able to, I don't have time to go to it, but study also Jeremiah 4. Specific, specifically, I'm speaking in tongues like Ali. Specifically, James 4-23. This is what Genesis says. The earth was formless and what? <laughs> and darkness covered the deep waters. It was formless. It was void. There was nothing. So what does God do? He sees what he created and it was nothing. Isn't that one of the definitions? So he goes on and he says, well, I don't like what I see, though I've created it. I don't like it like this. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to spend six days continuing to create. Everyone say just six days. I know because some of you are already bothered because you want me to say seven, don't you? You want me to say he created seven days. But I'm going to tell you today he created six days to create. So he began to create. And he began to fill the earth. Created all things. He gave it all life. Don't miss this because soon I will, I will be going, I'll be going down and I'll be landing hopefully. He gave it all life and and after six days, he was finished, right? After six days, he was finished. We know this from Genesis 1. And when he was finished, he looked upon it all. And he said an amazing phrase that, that I thought was, was interesting, you know? He said, this is good. This is good. It makes sense that God would look at what he created and said, I am good. This is good. I'm good. It's amazing. This is good. Everyone say, this is good. Mm -hmm. And then the scripture says that he rested. You guys are doing so good in participating today, so just join me one more time. Say rested. rested. He rested. And, and the Bible says he rested from all of his work. So he, he created another day, and he says, I'm going to create a seventh day, number seven. And the seventh day, I'm going to name it Holy. The seventh day should be holy because, because it's the day that I shall rest from all of my work. And this is good. This is good. So the seventh day, he sets it apart from all of the days because that's what holy means. Holy means set apart. So he forms day one, two, three, four, five, and six. And then he says, now this day, seven, it's going to be different from all the other days. It's still part of the week, but it's different. I'm going to give it a different name. And it's, it's the holy day. It's set apart from all the other days. It's my very own special day amongst the other days. The other six days were good, but this one is holy. The other ones is good. What I've done is good, but this one is set apart. Man, I almost want to say something about, about, like, about dating, then meeting my wife and say, this is good. And then she became the set apart. But no, let's not even get into that. She's not here, so it would be good to say when she's here. She went to the back for a moment. Here we go. When she comes back in, I'll preach that message, okay? So, you know, 
On the seventh day, he sets it apart, calls it holy, and he, 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 what does he do on that day? He what? He rests. So I thought to myself this. I thought it so many times, but I thought it again this week. Not this week, but throughout the week. And I said, that's so weird. How many of you read that scripture and thought that's weird? I have. What in the world is God doing resting? There is no need for God to rest. He's God. His word speaks things to existence. Resting for God, for me, it doesn't make sense. Why, if he's God, why does he need to rest? Have you ever thought about that? So what did I do? I said, let me study the word rest for a moment. And I looked up the word rest. And in the Hebrew, I'm going to share with you three definitions for rest. In Hebrew, I'm not going to give you the Hebrew word because I'll massacre it. And I always want to try to be someone that I'm really not. I looked it up, and this is what I found. The Hebrew word for rest means this. Number one, it means abstain from exertion. Makes sense. Number two, to cease. But then again, I ran into the third meaning of rest in the Hebrew, and it struck me. And I said, that's, that's the one that I want to talk about. Because why would God rest after six days? Well, I know why. Because the third of one. The third one now does not mean to necessarily abstain from exertion. It does not mean to cease. But the third one now means to, to celebrate. So when I read celebrate as a Hebrew word for rest, I said, now that makes sense to me. Because when, when all things were created in six days, and then on the seventh day, he took that day to rest, I, I, I see how it makes sense now that, that he celebrates everything that was filled, everything that was done. He looks at it and says, this is good, now let's rest. What he really meant was, this is good, now let's celebrate. Let's make the seventh day, I'm going to prove it to you because I'm going to go to the New Testament in Hebrews and I'm going to show you that, that it means celebrate. And let's celebrate because this is good. I'm going to create one more day, the seventh, and that day is the rest day. But in reality, when I mean by rest day, it's a day to celebrate. And there are scriptures that reveal, so many scriptures that reveal that Jesus now is our seventh day rest. We, we, I want you to know something theologically, ready? Whenever someone says you need to rest on a Sabbath, you tell them that your Sabbath is not in a day, but that your Sabbath is in a God, is in a king, it's in a person, it's in name, is Jesus Christ. You don't rest just on Saturday and you don't rest just on Sunday. You celebrate on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. Thursday and on Friday, those people that just celebrate on Saturday but go to live their lives Monday through Friday, that's religion and the effects of religion. But we are sons and daughters. And when they say, what day do you keep holy? It's not a day, it's a person. And his name is Jesus who is worthy to be celebrated. This is God. Let's form another day. What day? Seven. And let's set it apart. For what? It's a set apart day. Holy. And what are we going to do? Rest. What are we going to do? We're going to celebrate. And that scripture teaches us for the sake of time. There's so much that Jesus becomes this rest. Jesus steps into the scene some 2,000 years ago and says, Stop being so religious on the Sabbath when you're a hypocrite on Monday. Stop being so religious on the Sabbath when you're a heathen in the middle of the week. 
I mean, this might strike a chord with some of us. We do really good in serving today. Let's not even do that. I want to win you guys, not lose you. But <laughs> it's not about a Sabbath. So Jesus comes in, he says, it's about me. I am the fulfillment of day number seven. I am the rest. What does that mean? I am the celebration now. Everything else was good, but me, I'm better than good. I'm celebrated. Did you forget? You guys already forgot. How dare you? He was exalted to the highest name. And every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess. He has the greatest position in eternity. He has the greatest name of all eternity. What is, what is all that saying? It's all making sense. It's all connecting. He is the most celebrated in all of heaven. He's the rest. So I'm going to create one more day, the day of celebration. And Jesus becomes this rest of our lives. And I want to pray for anxiety because I believe some of you guys, that's what you're missing in your anxiety. You're missing the seventh day, which is really the person who is Christ, who really gives you rest, who really caused your, your depression and your anxiety to become celebration right here in the presence of God today. Come on. So this is what I want to do in and maybe as I do this and as I open up the scriptures, the worship team could come up. But I believe Jesus wants to fill what is empty. And I, and I believe that Jesus wants to fill what is empty for one main reason. Because he wants to celebrate with you. If you re, I guess I should go back to it because I'm going to end it. If you remember the ball that I threw and I rolled your way, it says, then God exalted him into the place of highest honor. He gave him the name above all of the names, the name every knee shall bow, Jesus, in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue declared that Jesus is Lord, the glory of God the Father. What, what is all that? It, it's, all, um, it's all because you lived a life that was empty, I'm now, my son, going to find the joy, the joy of fulfilling Fulfilling you with the fullness of who I am. So when he places him at the second, at the highest position in the right hand of God, he now takes on everything because of his obedience of emptiness on earth. Now, now I asked a question earlier. I said, which empty are you? Are you the one that lives empty for the will of God to be manifested in your life so that at the end you could really receive the fullness? Or are we the ones that live with the fullness of this world, which at the end will really, the reward will actually be empty? How many of you guys live for the world and for the sins and the patterns of this world? And at the end, you realize that your reward, though from the world's perspective, you looked full, you were actually empty. None of you. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> we're going to do an altar call. You better all come up here. You're full of yourself. <laughs> God is good. I love this church. I love you guys. Let's go to Hebrews 4 for a moment. Because this is what I want to talk about for a moment. I, I want to grab the, the passage where it talks about the rest that comes from God, the promised rest, which is actually the, the manifestation of who Jesus is. And because we know now the definition of rest and we know that it actually means celebrate or celebration, I want to substitute rest for celebration. Can we do that? We're not taking the scripture in and out and creating heresy today. 
we're not adding and taking away from this word. All we're doing is, is putting a word of definition to represent the word that is written in our English translated Bible. Amen? Thank you for understanding that. So in chapter 4, verse 1, as we grab the definition of rest and we say celebration, I want you to see how all of this makes perfect sense as we close. How many of you are ready to be filled and fill that which is empty? Let's read it. It says, verse 1, you with me? It said, God's promise of entering his, you'll get it by like the 10th rest, you'll, you'll get it. God's promise of entering his celebration still stands. Does it make sense already? So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared, this celebration, it has been announced to us just as it was to them, but, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his celebration. Makes sense. And as for the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath that they will never enter my place of celebration. I don't know if you're understanding what scripture is saying here. Those that reject my son will never be able to receive celebration. You can't reject Jesus and think you're going to make it to heaven. It's not going to work. Even though this celebration has been ready since he made the world. Isn't that crazy? He made the world. But he was already thinking about Jesus being the celebration for everyone that needed something to celebrate. In and for. We know it is ready because of the place in the scripture where it mentions that on the seventh day, on the seventh day, God celebrated from all of his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of celebration. So God, God's celebration is there for people to enter. But those who first heard the good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God they did when Jesus walked on earth and people rejected him and put him on the cross they, they, they neglected and they turned their back on celebration and because of that that's, that's what it's talking about here they failed to enter it because they disobeyed God verse 7 so God set another time for entering his celebration praise you Lord for another time and this is the time today right now God God announced this it was a prophecy through David much later in the words that he quoted and look at this it says today when you hear his voice that's Jesus calling you do not harden your hearts so it's talking about Jesus Jesus is the rest Jesus is the celebration Jesus is the one that calls your name don't harden your heart now if Joshua verse 8 had succeeded in giving them this celebration God would not have spoken about another day of celebration still to come so there is there is a special celebration still waiting for the people of God verse 10 for all who have entered into God's celebration have celebrated from their labors just as God did after creating the world so let us do our best to enter that celebration but if we disobey God and the people then we will fall I want you to recognize all this passage as Hebrews is mentioned Israel rejected it they rejected the celebration they rejected the rest 
that was, that was given even as a prophecy hundreds of years before. And then the author of Hebrews tells us it's Jesus. He's become the celebration. Be filled with your rest, which is Jesus. Be filled with celebration. Because some of us, we're either empty number one or empty number two. And if you're empty number one, amen. You've gotten the revelation of what it means to be filled in God because you live empty of this world. You've gotten the feeling of what it means. You, you understand it so well. I may not look well to the world, but in the eyes of God, I am so filled. And to the people of God, I am filled. My boat is filled with fish and it's overflowing to other empty boats. I, I'm empty to this world, but I'm filled in the presence of God. I am filled with rest. I am filled with Jesus. I am filled with celebration. So my life is one that constantly celebrates. Or you're number two, the I'm filled with godlessness and I'm filled with it. I'm not empty of it, but I'm filled with it. Empty of it receives a feeling from God, but filled with godlessness receives a reward of emptiness at the end. So what is God's call to us today? Well, be filled. And the way that you're, this sounds so weird, but, but I love that. The way God does things is not the way man does things. And I love the way God says things. It's not the way man says things. And I love the way God does things. It's not the way that God does things. So he says this. The way to your greatest filling is finding joy in the place of your greatest emptiness. Stay empty so that you could always remain filled. So awesome. It's almost like saying, and on the seventh day, I rested. Doesn't make sense. But if you're in God, and if you understand that today, you, you know exactly what God means by you want to be filled, a filling that overflows. Yeah. The route to that is stay empty. And in the place of emptiness, I'm going to reward you with, with fishes on your boat with your nets ripping it's going to be so have you ever been so in love have you ever been have you ever ate something so good God forgive me for comparing you to food have you ever seen something so amazing that you can't contain it. It fills you so much that you got to call someone, that you got to text someone, that you're in line and you're at, I don't know, Macy's? I don't know, you look like a Macy's man today. And, and you're in line at Macy's and the person behind you just starts talking about that thing which you're filled with and you don't even know that person. You're so rude so rude that because you're so filled with what they're talking about I mean I've seen it I've never seen so many people become so political in these days but but you're so filled with it that you just turn around and you just start spilling what's in your mouth to them and you're like I saw it 
too. It was so amazing. And then you just start talking to them and you know very well that that person is looking at you and saying, who the heck are you? But something in you wanted to burst out. Something in you wanted to overflow. Something in you wanted to come out because you're so filled with what they're talking about. You're so filled that you just want to share it too. I want to share it with the world. I'm, I'm wondering if you're so empty of this world that you're so filled with God that everyone that you walk around and you see empty boats, you're like, I want to talk about it. I know a way. I know a way to fill your boat. I know a way to break your nets. I know a way. And it's Exodus. Jesus, I'm filled. I am not left empty. But reality, I am filled. I'm so full. Come on, get around me in line. Go for it. Come on, get around me at the table. Go for it. Come on, someone just, just touched me by accident. Because if you rock a boat that is filled with water, it's just going to leak out. Go for it. And I might just spend some time breaking your nets and I might just spend some time filling up your boat because my boat to be filled it's a celebration that I want to pour into your life so that you can celebrate and that this empty yourself so that then you could be filled of himself empty yourself I know this is improper grammar. And then be filled with himself. Empty yourself. And be filled with him. Be filled with Jesus. Rest. Be filled with celebration. Come on, people that are struggling with anxiety. You're going to, you just, if you're struggling from anxiety, you just rock my boat. And I'm going to pour into your life. I'm believing for signs, for wonders, for miracles. And I'm believing that today I'm going to declare it. That we're going to kill the anxiety, the depression, the stress. We're going to bury it. And today you're going to celebrate. You're going to celebrate. You messed with the wrong ship today. So Jesus and Peter have this encounter what does he do at the end of this encounter with Jesus he realizes what just happened and he and he falls to his knees finally Peter you've come to grips with a life with a life of empty and he comes to a knees and he comes to grip with a life of empty so what do we do now? Empty yourself in the obedience. In obedience to God, live empty of yourself and enjoy the reward of living filled. Filled with celebration. Filled with Jesus, filled with rest. Go for it, live empty. Here's my message. Go for it, live empty, but be filled. Go for it, live empty, but be filled. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. No hesitation. You need prayer today. You're struggling from anxiety today. Stress, depression today. Worry today. You need to celebrate today. Fear. Fear. Fear no longer. No longer has a hold on you today. You need to knock that fear on his face today. We need to cut off heads of these giants today. Today we're going to 
carry these things. Today we're going to celebrate together. If you know that that's you today and, and, and today your life, you're coming to that place of rest. You're, you're coming to that place of Jesus. You're, you're coming to that place of, Lord, here I am. I'm empty of myself so that you can fill me of yourself. Fill me of yourself, oh God. Fill me of yourself. Yahweh, take over. Fill my anxiety with celebration. Empty, flush it out. Flush out my fears. Flush out my worries. Flush it all out. And fill me. Fill me with the seventh day of set apart holiness and celebration. Fill me with the seventh day of rest. Fill me with Jesus. And I want to celebrate with my life. I'm tired of hiding in a dark room. I'm tired of closing myself up. I'm tired of being ashamed. I'm tired of running away. Today I, I come with my fears. Today I come with my anxiety. Today I come with my stress. Today I come with all those things that are that are that are not allowing me, that are limiting me from, from doing and perfecting that perfect will in my life. Today I take out my axe. Come on. Today I take out my sword. I come against it in Jesus' name. I receive my rest. I receive my, my healing. I receive my filling. I empty myself so that I can live filled of yourself. Here I am with my fear. Here I am with my anxiety. Here I am and I'm ready to bury it in your presence today in Jesus' name. Come on, begin to worship. Begin to cry. You don't need anyone to even lay hands on you. Right there where you're at. Let God start pouring. If you need to cry, you cry. If you need to get on your knees, get on your knees. If you need to lay on the floor, lay on the floor. But, but don't be held back. If you want to stretch out your hands to the heavens and begin to cry out, cry out. If you pray in the spirit, begin to pray in the spirit. I, I, I pray that you would just let God move. Let the Holy Spirit move in this altar. Let him heal you today. Let him restore you today. Come on, let his rest fill you. Before the worship team even praises, you'll start. Come on, sons and daughters, you begin to proclaim it. Come on, proclaim it. Proclaim it. Proclaim it. Proclaim it. Proclaim it. Don't hold back. Open your heart. Come on, open it up. Open up your soul to God. Move away, move away. Stretch up. Come on, reach up. Reach up, grab it. Reach up and grab it. Reach up and grab it. I'm done with this life of being defeated. I'm done with this life of fear. Victory in the name of Jesus. My sword's coming out. You may come with me with a spear and a sword, but I come to her in the name of the Lord who fights for the armies of God. I come to her in the name of Jesus. Come on, take it out. Knock the giant out and take a fire weapon and, and you'll jump his head and today you'll say I have victory in these areas. Today I stand in power.